0: This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer.
1: Officially ready to join you at 1-800-919-3776. Talking Knicks, talking baseball. We're ready to go. Here we go. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Officially, hi Gordon. Larry, are we doing any better in the last two minutes? Probably not, no. Uh, probably not, no. No, no. We, we, we were just testing out, you know, what the Michael K. does every day at 255 to 7.
0: Right, you know, work had out little what pre- we t- want.
1: Now we really yeah. hit the ground running. Exactly. You know, Unlike so we the have Knicks. We, yeah, <laughs> we had we had our little pregame show. Now mm-hmm. we get into the main event. And Gordon, as we said in the, quoting Michael, the soft open, uh There's just so many things you could talk about with this Knicks team tonight, and it's easy to be disappointed because you're on a high and you're looking at this Orlando Magic team. And, you know, their team, that, as you mentioned, have been struggling. They just picked up their 11th win, their 11 and 18. And you figure the way the Knicks have been playing, this is a game that you almost you expect them to give you a better effort.
0: Yeah, it's not a must-win, but it's a should-win, right? Like, if you're if you're in the belief that the Knicks have now found what they are as a team and they are an up-and-coming team, you want to go out to, against a team like Orlando and, you know, put the hammer down early and, and, and get maybe not an easy win, but a, uh, you know, a pretty dominating performance or a pretty comfortable win against a team like that. And you could tell... You know, pretty much early on, it was just not the same kind of energy that they had against the Hawks in some of these other games. And then the third quarter hit, and uh, the Knicks hit yeah. the wall. I mean, it's not hard to diagnose what was wrong because basically mm-hmm. everything was wrong tonight.
1: Couldn't score, couldn't defend, couldn't couldn't rebound off the offensive glass. Everything turned the ball turned the ball over, A which is something tonight. they had not been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everything you could, everything that you could imagine that went wrong went wrong with this game tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that makes it a little easier to take rather than if it had been a – I don't know. is it If it's a close loss, would you feel worse about it because it's a game we were right there, whereas opposed to this kind of performance tonight where everything – was, you know, it's not – I think that we could play the rest of the season and quickly is not going to have another 1-for-12 shooting performance. Derrick Rose mm-hmm. is not going to have another 1-for-10 shooting performance. You know, the Knicks are not going to also turn the ball over 16 times or whatever it was, so – and that third quarter – where they get, what was it, uh, twenty five to 8 run. They scored eight points in nine minutes and scored just 14 <laughs> points in the entire third quarter and scored just 33 points in the second half.
1: No, you're not winning that way.
0: No, that's gen- generally not a, a recipe for, for winning.
1: No, not a recipe for success. And so, you know, as we said, they'll, they'll put this one away. And, you know, Gordon, lick their wounds and go back and look at video. And, and the one thing that, you know, you, you – as I said earlier, the one thing that you hope they do is just make sure they do a little better job closing out uh, defensively. And that was really the biggest thing because scoring comes and goes. But your defense, since that's your identity, that's what you hang your hat on. And Orlando got hot, and they got hot early. And this is the scary thing for for tonight is that normally uh, Vucevic kills the Knicks. I mean, he normally just kills them. He was 8 of 24. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And and I think he had a couple of baskets late, so it it was even worse than it actually was and then kind of made it look a little bit better than it actually, what the actual performance was. No, I mean, it was about Ross. Was it John from Freehold who brought up about Ross always kills the Knicks? Well, he certainly
1: killed him tonight. He sure did. He sure did. So we'll see what the Knicks do going forward. Gordon, I got to tell you this, my friend. With all the snow and talk coming, it was good to see a little baseball managers today. Kind needed. of puts you in the mood. You know what I'm saying? Kinda of that that it's coming. It's it's not right there. It's, it's not I can't look out the window and see it. But I know it's it's in the air, Gordon. Baseball is coming and uh baseball means warmer weather.
0: Thirty-one days until the first day of spring. I actually calculated that in my house today. So that tells you how productive of a day I had that I was asking Google, hey Google, how many days until spring?
1: Uh no, 31. it wasn't productive. It's yes. not productive. It's 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 help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Help me. So, Sweetie, I'm sorry. I'm busy doing show prep right now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and show prep is, how can I get Larry to make sure that his snow his snowblower winter yes, is yes, get about that to end.
0: fixed, get it ready, get the g- gas it up, change the spark plugs, whatever you got to do, Larry.
1: That's it. Whatever something you got to belts,
0: do. I don't know what you do with it, but you got to do something. Uh,
1: yeah, I got to do something. I call somebody and just yes. just get it rolling.
0: And not me. <laughs> I can't help you from where I am. <laughs>
1: I appreciate the thought, though. Paul. Yes, I appreciate the thought. Let's start with the Yankees, Gordon. Okay. Um, Tim Kirchner was on DPHO Canty and Rothenberg today, and uh, we'll hear from him in a second. Uh, from what, and we'll hear from Aaron Boone as well. What for you as a Yankee fan? What are the things that concern you a little bit about this team? Because when you look at the team, I mean, Gordon, you should do well. I mean, the team is the best team in the American League, among the best teams in the American League, clearly the best team in the American League East. And even with injuries, I mean, the Yankees have been able to survive injuries the past two years. So what, what concerns you?
0: Well, I know you say that, but the first thing that concerns me is injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, until they change it, and I know that they've changed their training program, and last year Cashman said that sometimes you actually, when you do that, you experience more injuries in the short term they got to stay healthy. If they just stay healthy, if Aaron Judge can stay healthy, if Stanton can stay healthy, can, if they can keep the lineup primarily, just the lineup healthy and playing on a regular basis so it's not this guy's in, this guy's out, this guy's resting, this guy's here. If they can just do that, yeah, they should score a ton of runs and they should be the team to beat in the American League East. I mean, outside of that, I know it's not really breaking any ground, but you take a look at that rotation – and as we said last night, it's got a lot of question marks in that rotation. So those are the two major concerns, health and pitching. And those were the kind of the concerns after last year, right, going into the offseason. So I don't know how successful at of an offseason it, it really was, at least to start the year, when the big questions about starting pitching and and, and and just general health of the players, that's still the question you're asking heading into the season.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, really, which is a major situation is – which Gary Sanchez are you going to see this year?
0: That's true. No, absolutely. But you know what? If they have the health of the regular team, they mm-hmm. can live without Gary Sanchez really doing a whole lot of anything. Mm-hmm. Like if Aaron Judge is playing, you know, every day and Stanton's playing every day and Clint Frazier's the left fielder and Hicks isn't spending months on end on the DL and, and Voight's healthy and, and, and LeMahieu is LeMahieu and Glaber gets back to being Glaber – You know Anything you get from from Gary Sanchez, I I think that removes the pressure on him that he's got to put up these type of numbers.
1: So really, Gordon, uh, I guess the thought process is, I think Toronto is better than they've been, okay? There's no Mm -hmm. question about that. But I don't think pitching-wise, they can match up with the... If if the pitching goes the way it should, I don't think they will match up with the Yankees pitching-wise and... Tampa's lost two big pitches now. Look, I I know their offense is still pretty good, but they were really based on, and I keep saying it because that's the lasting memory I have of them, was their starters and the bullpen of six foot seven guys throwing fire. That's all I think about with Tampa.
0: Well, look, they lost Snell and they lost Morton, so those are two big guys. Those are two big pieces to 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 lose and and try to just pick up the pieces. But if there is one team that can do that, it's probably the Tampa Bay Rays. So that is the concern there. I mean, their offense, especially in the postseason, was Randy Arozarena, and, and mm-hmm. if he if he wasn't hitting home runs, they weren't scoring a whole lot of runs. So I, I still think the Yankees. Yeah, they are the team to beat. I, I'm sure that a lot of people will uh, kind of you know point to the the Rays as being the team, but. I think that mostly that's because of the Yankees kind of having a quiet offseason. It's not a prototypical Yankee offseason where they went out and made some big splashes. The big splash was to bring back a guy that pretty much everyone said they had to bring back in D.J. LeMayhew. So they did that. They're hoping that the pitching is better. We'll, uh, jury is out. I'm, I'm hoping, as I've said before, I'm hoping that this is the season where we go into it criticizing Cashman, criticizing the moves, criticizing the pitching, and it turns out to be sensational. So we will see.
1: We will see. Tim Kirchner, as I mentioned, was on DPHO Canteen Rothenberg this morning, and the guys asked him, are the Yankees the best team in the American League?
0: I kind
2: of like the way they've gone about this. Instead of maybe giving Trevor Bauer $40 million a year when they just gave Garrett Cole something like that, they're going to take some chances here, and it's risky. However, their bullpen is still really good. Their lineup is tremendous. They're going to the playoffs. They're the best team in the East for me, as it is. And if Kluber and Tyon and Severino comes back and some other guys work out, they have a chance to be, you know, the best team certainly in the American League this year if everything goes right.
1: Yeah, well, I kind of agree with both of you. I'm just really curious on in the side, Gordon, with Aaron Judge this year because this is kind of a year that you might. I know he's got a one-year deal. Was that a one-year deal he signed with arbitration, Gordon? Yeah. All right. So you're gonna he's gonna want money soon, and and the question if he if he gives you another injury-plagued season. What do you do with him? Do you keep signing him to one-year deals? I mean, he's going to eventually want a multi-year deal. Well, you'd like to get him
0: to have – you're hoping that the real Aaron Judge will eventually stand up. Now, I don't think that any of the injuries that he has suffered is a chronic thing. I think it's generally kind of fluky type of things. But if they keep happening, you really can't be signing him to some long-term extension. I think the Yankees would are hoping that Aaron Judge is going to be here for a very, very long time. But you're right. I mean, this is a big year to show that – If it's all a fluke, right, if if these fluky things are are just a coincidence, well, then finally this year should be the year where he is able to play 140 games or whatever it is that he can play so that, you know, God forbid the Yankees play guys weeks on end, so they they all have to have rest at some point, I know, fighting a losing (laughs) battle there. But he's got to play 135, 140 games.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a rest day the first week of the season, you realize. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) It's And, and what, cra- what drives me crazy is, is when a guy's hot, they say, well, they don't believe in hot, so they'll they'll give the guy the day off. But if the guy's cold, they keep putting him out there. So <laughs> it's like, you know what? Well, well, might not, you know, if you if you if you're taking him out of the lineup when he's hot, well, then take him out of the lineup when he's cold and give him a breather a little bit. But it doesn't seem like they ever do that.
1: No, and and and, and you know the line. The line is always the same. Well, this day was pre-planned before he got hot.
0: Everything's pre-planned. <laughs> Everything's pre-scripted, everything's drawn out ahead of time. We got lanes, we got right the pitching lanes. We like the That's lanes right. for this guy this day. That's right.
1: It's all it's all it's all sabermetrics, my friend. It's all sabermetrics.
0: The Yankees better not lose power. They'll lose all those plans into cyber. They'll be on the cloud. <laughs> You're right. They'll be trying to find them on the cloud somewhere. <laughs> The Yankees, they have the best team in the American League East. I think they have the best team in the American League. The only other team I think that could give them a little bit of trouble would be the Chicago White Sox. There's a lot of question marks. I'm not going to say they're a flawless team, but I would look at the Yankees as the favorite to come out of the American League.
1: Michael Kay on the Michael Kay Show earlier today, along with Don LaGreca and Peter Rosenberg, with his thoughts on the New York Yankees. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer and myself, Larry Hardesty, 1-800-919-3776. Gordon, what about the Chicago White Sox team? I was a little surprised that Kay mentioned them.
0: Well, I mean, they're one of the few teams that was making moves this offseason. So it almost feels like that this offseason, a lot of teams, and maybe just baseball in general, there's a lot of organizations that are just content to not really do anything. Maybe it's partly the, the collective bargaining agreement. Maybe it's partly the uncertainty of what the season's going to look like because of COVID and stuff, and maybe money losses from a year ago. But, I mean, the White Sox were one of the more aggressive teams. They had a pretty good season last year in the in the short – in the shortened year they finished 10 games over 500 and they were out there spending some money making some moves and bringing in Tony Larusa, which is going to be a very interesting move and I'm sure yes, it is a, a very a move that a lot of people are going to be focused on to see a young team with that with him as the manager so I could understand why you know the why I mean when you take a look at the teams around baseball it's either that they are they're already kind of established as you think that they are a good team or they're the White Sox because not that many other teams did a whole lot, right? Like the Angels didn't really do anything. Texas didn't really do anything. Seattle's still the same. Detroit's perennially a loser. Uh, maybe the Royals are starting to, to come back up again. The Boston's going to be bad. The Orioles are always bad. That's half the American League.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Can you imagine the conversation with, with La Russa? Uh Sabre, well, I'm going to nothing. i nothing. I'm running the team the way I've always run the team. You brought me here for my success. Sabre your way out the door.
0: yeah i i mean that is a very odd pairing
1: it is it really is it really really is i I, i'm a little stunned with when they they made that announcement i thought it was the the onion i thought it was going to be one of the
0: you know like uh instead of jeff passing it's like jaff passing you know what i mean like it's one of those phony accounts on twitter exactly it was
1: a real account it definitely was and so that is going to be interesting scenario Aaron Boone, as we mentioned, spoke to the media today, and the first thing he was asked, very simple, do you have the players to win a World Series?
3: I do, absolutely. Talk is always cheap, obviously, at this point, but I I really like the winner that we've had with some of the additions we've made that I think are going to be impactful to go along with already the makeup of this team that is of championship caliber, and that's what we're here to try and do and try to accomplish, and, and we get to start that in earnest tomorrow. A lot of the groundwork is laid. A lot of that foundation is laid throughout the winter with guys in their off-season programs. But now we get to come together as a team and start trying to lay what we hope is that championship foundation. And, you know, hopefully this is the year we get to the top of that mountain. We certainly feel like we have a club that's in that mix.
1: No, I don't have the players to win the World Series. I, mean, I wish what, we what got some more. What was
0: anybody expecting him to say? Well, you know, it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, we're going to struggle Look. With, with the little with the little engine that could in this in this tough American League East. <laughs> I don't know what anybody expected him to say there. Actually, the better question is, are you going to be around, Gordon? Because, listen, he he's done a phenomenal job. Over, over 100 wins every year, 100 or more wins every year he's been manager. But the bottom line is, what do you do in the postseason? And, listen, this could be – this is a – we talked about how big a year this is for – uh Aaron Judge. this is a huge year, I think, for Aaron Boone. I really do. He's he's got to at least get to the World Series, Gordon, this year. Well, look, when they made the move
0: uh away from Girardi and they brought in Aaron Boone, I think the feeling was that he was going to now be able to take this team and these players with the relationships with that he had with them and take them to a new level, right? They they got to within a game of the World Series in the final year with Girardi in 2017. And now they were going to try a new approach. And if I had told the Yankees back then, four years from there, they had still not won a World Series, it's hard to say that the move was a
1: successful move in the hiring of Aaron Boone. I mean, they haven't even been back. Not even, not even been back to the World Series. And listen, we understood that they were there ahead of time that, you know, this mm-hmm. was a surprise. They got hot. You know, teams get hot in the postseason, and, and they were. And you give them credit, and that was a great job. But, yeah, we bring in Aaron Boone because, you know, he, he can relate to the players a little differently than Joe Girardi. Listen, I, I, I covered Joe during his years there. And There were times, listen, you knew what you were going to get with Joe. If there was, a, if there was a, a bad loss, you know, we're upstairs, and he would have to come all the way downstairs, get in the elevator, come downstairs to get into the, the media room. Where they held the press conferences, and Gordon, if it was a bet, if it was a tough game, he was already there. <laughs> he was sitting there. He was sitting there like, <laughs> "Let's go, let's go, let's go." So you understood that he was an intense guy, and obviously his back and forth with Gary Sanchez on helping him with his catching that was not a good look. People felt, well, you know, you have to relate to players a little bit differently than you did before, and so not only has and I'm not blaming this on Aaron Boone. It's just circumstances, right? But not only has Gary Sanchez not returned to offensively to what he was, he's gotten better defensively. He's not returned offensively to what he was, and the team just has not gotten back to where they should have been. So, you know, listen, you know the Yankees. You know that front office. You, you come, you, we got to get to the World Series this year.
0: Yeah, and that was one of the things that it certainly seemed like, right, when you're talking about relationships, that Boone – through his personality, his approach, more, uh, I guess, player-friendly, was going to be able to unlock the potential in Gary Sanchez. Now, keep in mind, in 2018, Gary Sanchez was only 25 years old. And Gary Sanchez, with Aaron Boone as the manager, you can say whatever you want. I mean, it has not worked. And it's, it certainly has not unlocked anything because he has put up two of just – now, last year it was the 60 games, but last year – was absolutely abysmal and you know what 2018 was not a whole lot better so two out of the three years he's been a net negative in terms of uh, you know impact on the team so they can they can spin it however they want that Aaron Boone was going to be able to unlock this or that they've had good teams they've had good good records during the regular season and I do think that in the postseason they are close. I do think mm-hmm. that they, you know, people aren't going to give you credit for coming close in New York. I don't think they just want to see the results. But in terms of unlocking the potential of players, I don't know that that necessarily has happened. It certainly has not happened with Gary Sanchez.
1: It has not happened with Sanchez, and they have gotten close. It's just, it's just unfortunate, Gordon, that the guys who are not the power guys, right? The, the guys like your Gleyber Torres, like your Gary Sanchez, the guys, DJ LeMay, who you put him to the side because he's produced. But those guys who make contact, and I think that's what the Yankees tried to do, right, is balance with the power but also add some 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 guys to the lineup that make contact so that, you know, you don't always hit home runs in the postseason, and this is an age-old argument and discussion that the Yankees have had forever, uh, about well, you know, when the postseason comes, it's better pitching. You can't rely on the long ball, blah 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 blah. So they tried to do that, but, but especially last year in the postseason, you know, it, nobody talked a lot about it. But Gordon Glaber Torres was invisible in the postseason last year. Well, he had, a, he, I mean, he just had a terrible year last year. There's no
0: really other way to sugarcoat it. It seems like from everybody who covers the team that when the the, the break came and then he, they came back, he did not come up. He did not come back in, in, in good shape. And really struggled, struggled with a leg injury, apparently as well struggled with his defense, which was a major focus and just struggled offensively did not look like the same player. I, I will chalk that one up to just the, the, the weirdness of 2020. Some guys I do think get a pass. And I think that Gleyber Torres would be one of the like. If I'm worrying about Glaber Torres mm. at this age, right? What is he? 24. Maybe he's going to yeah. be 25 this year. Mm-hmm. Then I think that they really have problems because he has projected every step of the way as being who he was up until 2020. So I do expect that his offense is going to return to the norm. I expect that his defense will be satisfactory enough to to carry the the shortstop position. But yeah, no, he has he has a lot to prove this year. Absolutely
1: stay David Till Midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Talking a little baseball with you. Line to open if you want to talk Mets, Yankees, Knicks, one 919 3776 We mentioned before the break about Aaron Boone and Gary Sanchez and the situation that um, has happened when really Boone, was, let, let's face it, Sanchez was one of the reasons why Girardi was not not brought back. One of the reasons. Here's what Aaron Boone said about Gary Sanchez today.
3: I'm excited about where he's at you know obviously coming off a tough season and and obviously a lot of the storylines around Gary understandably this winter feel like we've had some really good conversations put some really good things in place that will hopefully allow him to continue to grow and really thrive because I think you know as we've demonstrated with our actions really we believe in him we feel like he can be a game changer type player when he's right and uh We're going to continue to support him and try and get him to be the best version of himself that he can be. And, you know, hopefully this is the year when he can kind of put it all together. And we certainly have a lot of confidence in that, but we got to get it out of him too. And we got to help him do that.
1: Hey, Aaron, is this the year that uh, Frazier's your starting left fielder?
3: I do. You know, Clint has obviously come a long way in every aspect of his game and certainly earned his place last year. He had to earn. Everything, really the last couple of years. He's been a contributor going back really since the first year I was here. And last year, I think, really proved that he was ready to grab an everyday role on this team. And the improvements really he's made in every aspect of his game and feel like at his age, with his experience now and the success and the confidence that he's continued to build has put him in position to go into this camp as an everyday player. And he certainly earned that.
1: He has earned it, Gordon, and even though it was a short season last year, he he deserved to be in the lineup. He deserved to get the start in uh, the postseason, and I think he's earned the start in left field as the, as the regular season everyday uh, left fielder.
0: Well, look, I, I love Clint Frazier, and you look at what he has had to overcome, the position being blocked, the injury that he suffered. And remember, when he came back and, and got back on the field, he had that that – almost like a case of the yips in the outfield. He had that Mm. one game where it just seemed like he didn't know where the ball was going. He heard all the criticism of that and everything else, and he's overcome that. And he came back last year and really – and at other times, too, when the Yankees have had all these types of injuries, he's stepped up and has really provided a boost to the lineup, and last year was kind of his breakout year. So I'd almost like to see something like that happen with Gary Sanchez where – it feels like the Yankees have kind of catered to Sanchez and almost to a certain extent babied him, whereas Clint Frazier has kind of had to overcome whatever obstacles and has and has come out stronger on the other side from it. I'd like to see Gary Sanchez kind of kind of show that as well.
1: Yeah, and that's an interesting point, Gordon, because I think, and we'll get to the calls in a minute, I think that that was kind of what the tough love was in saying that you're we're going to bring in somebody else to pitch to Garrett Cole to catch Gary Cole, and you're not starting in the postseason. Like, not only when Gary Cole pitches, but when other pitches start, you're not starting. So I think that's kind of the way it is, and it's interesting to see how Sanchez responds to that.
0: Well, I, I did not like when he came out and, and had that – I think it was with Marley Rivera saying that nobody talked to him about why yeah, he was yeah. sitting in the postseason. Why do you think you, – I mean, like, dude, I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> Look at your stats.
0: <laughs> I mean, look at look at the back of the baseball card as Michael K always says. Uh, just take there's a giant scoreboard that puts your stats up there. Take a look at what they say.
1: Yeah, no, he wasn't looking at that as clearly, because otherwise he wouldn't have uh, you know he wouldn't have mentioned that.
0: Well, look, if you don't want to look at the stats, look in the mirror. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's on true. you, buddy.
1: It's true. Nobody Buddha's should have to tell
0: you why you're sitting.
1: <laughs> you're right. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey Buddha, you'll start us off on the SP in New York tonight.
4: Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing tonight? Buddha. Hey, listen, I called to talk a little baseball, a little tennis, man. I mean, um, you know, they used to say the freaks come out at night, uh, but at Shea Stadium, they're coming out 24-7. I mean, what's going on over there? <laughs> Those guys need to get themselves together. All that stuff about, you know, we don't know, and, and, and all these things happen. I know this is a late report that they did something about it, but, I mean, what the heck is going on over there, man? Jeez, it's not a good look at all, man.
0: Nope, it's not.
4: You know? It's not. You know?
0: There's an old line about, in math about one is a dot, two is a line, three is a trend. Well, now they've got three. And, like, when the Porter story came out, we kind of expected mm-hmm. because, you know, it's a new time, right? It's a new day. And, and this type of that type of behavior is not going to be accepted in major league teams or just in, in, in life in general now. Uh, I, I thought that we would get more stories like that. I didn't realize we were going to get all the stories from the one team, though.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's the disappointing you to the part. Mets, about
4: but it. you know how that works. Once one person comes out, the floodgates open. You know how that works.
0: Oh no, absolutely, you know, and I expected over, it, it to come it from though. other organizations, and it very well might. But at least so far, it seems like they're all focused on the Mets.
4: Yeah, I mean they got to do something over there. But um, like what you were talking about with the Yankees, though. Um, you know, I, you know I like the Mets and all that, but you know that's not my team. But you know, listen, you know it's it's the injuries and the pitching staff. But like for me, the pitching. Listen, I don't know what those starters are going to be, and, and, you know, we we don't know where um, Dave is going to be and all this other stuff. But there's one pitcher that specifically, you know, that irritates me. It's Chapman. I mean, like, listen, how many years are we going to keep going on? with? with, I mean, in the postseason, man, with the sweating, you know, and them giving up – I mean, he gives up a lot of hits, like a big hits in big spots, you know, and they do that extra inning stuff with him sometimes. I just – I don't know, man. I wish we could upgrade that. I don't I don't know how we could, but I wish we could upgrade that. He's just not – to me, he's not a clutch kind of guy. But with oh, Boone I – mean, the season's you know, ended like with him pitching that. on the
0: mound two years in a row, right? I mean, so that just tells me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. We can't give you 40 chances.
4: That's not a Yankee type of uh, type of deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Yankee type of deal is you play better in the postseason. He, he just really irritates me. But um, what you were talking about with Boone, um, Uncle Adamus, listen. You know, the whole thing with him is – He's got to show, you know, the analytics aside, man, like there's got to be some stuff where, where he makes the choice. You know, we got analytics all over the place and you got all these. I, mean, I know that they were talking about Michael K was talking about, you know, the way he looked. I think it was Don was talking about like, you know, he looked like a figurehead or whatever. But mm. there's still opportunities as a manager when you make the right call, you know, when you tell him, look, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I think that, you know, for the team to evolve, you know, like you said, right? like we haven't even got to the World Series. You know, you got – the talent has been there. The talent has been there. He's got to step up with some of the stuff that he's doing, you know, personally, in my personal opinion. Um, but anyway, man, like the tennis point I had is just really I'm watching, you know, Osaka and um, Serena. And, you know, I, I think Serena's like lifetime is two and two whatever, But Osaka seems like – you know how Ken Norton what, was Ali's kryptonite. Mm-hmm. I feel like Osaka is, is Serena's kryptonite. You know Styles what I mean? I mean she beats this girl, yeah, you know, she beats this girl here, yeah, I think that she'll go on and get her next title. But um, this young this young girl, man, she's tough, man. I'm telling you, man. She's got a lot of heart, and she's not scared of Serena. You know, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? You know, nope. you, you see, like, Halep and some of the other ones, like, you know, they, they get intimidated.
5: Mm-hmm. This
4: girl's not scared of her, man. This is actually, like, a really beautiful thing. I mean, I know people don't like tennis so much sometimes, but, you know, when you, know, when you see the young... You know, the young stud trying to hold off that that you know, same thing like sort of like with Brady and then Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It's kinda of interesting. You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, it is, Buddha, and thanks for the phone call. It's it just seems and I haven't watched a lot of tennis. Um I'm not going to I'm not going to act like I'm one of the McEnroe brothers. <laughs> but I will say, Gordon, that it just seems like Osaka handles Williams' power a little better than a lot of the other women on the tennis circuit from what I've seen of the limited women I've seen. She just seems to do a little better job. And you know, Serena's power is, is uh, you know, it's, it's, it's significant. (laughs) It's significant.
0: But I agree with what Buddha says. Is some people that when they go, on, you can kind of sense it on the court that not only can they not handle the power, but they are intimidated when they mm-hmm. step on the court against someone as great as Serena. And uh, it does not seem like Osaka, even in the the limited times, what was it, the Open a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. she was able to beat her. So um, it doesn't seem like that's the case so far. No. It's uh, they're on serve in the first set, so I just pulled it up right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is, this is a nice, nice match. We're all over the place on this, on so much stuff. On you got the. Uh, We've got the Australian Open on ESPN two. We've got NBA on ESPN. We got oh, we're just rolling, rolling with stuff. Spike is in Jersey. Hey, Spike, you're next on
5: 98.7. Good evening, my friends. I got a riddle for you. You ready? Got two bright minds here. What do Go. these five guys have in common? Kevin Knox, Nerlens Noel, Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle, and Derrick Rose. They,
1: can't they all shoot. can't shoot. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you got no they were all coached by the same coach in college uh rose was at memphis when calipari oh, yeah, was there yeah, yeah. right yeah that's
1: right all Right.
5: so right. so uh <laughs> i probably saw them on the floor at the same time tonight so i get uh gordon you may not know this but my best friend was the mvp on the division one city college freshman team in the in 64 so we go over every game and break them down and everything so uh i get a text before the game. This, is, this could be a signpost of things to come. And what do you think? I said, if we keep closing out on those three balls, and we shots will go in and go out. We've all played ball. We know that. Shots will go in. I'm not worried about this. He says, oh, this is the old defensive team in the league, and we're the best defensive team. And Busevich, I said, we've got to close out on the three ball. You always do this for me, Larry. So one quick look. If they didn't shoot forty five percent from three three ball, Orlando, um I missed something. Uh forty seven. Forty so, seven percent.
1: Well and,
5: and, and I won't even ask you what the Rosen quickly did. Two for two for twenty five or something. I mean, listen, they just didn't show up after the first eight minutes tonight, so I'll write it off. We're not ready yet hate to be on that flight back and be in the film room tomorrow (laughs) because there's no game because the Spurs got the COVID, got bitten by the COVID bug. So we're off Saturday. These practices are going to be, boy, they're going to be rough the next few days. Do you agree?
1: Long and hard. (laughs) (laughs) Long and hard. Yeah, it was embarrassing
5: because, um, you know, I am wondering if you guys were thinking the same thing. When we were eight of nine, the first nine shots, I believe we made eight, maybe seven of eight. And they took a timeout, and I looked up at the, at the score, and I said, it should be up about eight or ten, and they're up two or something. And I go... You know, there's guys I know because I know I follow basketball like a religion. But there are guys most people wouldn't know who they were making open threes again. So we'll see. We'll write it off. We'll reset. We're going to be have a pretty easy game, I would think. But I don't want to get ahead of myself because the San Antonio game was postponed, and we got some bottom feeder on Sunday. I forget who Minnesota. But, OK, so we should should. We'll see. But they're very yeah, disappointed. You. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, well, i know, very disappointed, very yeah. disappointed. Uh, and uh, we'll live with it and see what happens. But uh, otherwise, one we'll comment on the baseball, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what Buddha said. And, you know, this is the, the tough part, being a senior citizen and understanding things a little bit, maybe or seeing more. That 86 Mets Team K was talking about today, he was right. Yes. They should have won more, more well, obviously, more championships. To say there was issues in the locker room is an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. But um, when you think We're just about just in the locker room. It, yeah, 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 the locker room. But I'm thinking that this hasn't hit the surface yet. You know, someone mentioned Sandy Alderson. He's about my age. He's he's not been that healthy, so on and so forth. He probably didn't even know about this. i got to figure it never got to him. They buried a lot of this stuff, and I'm just wondering, and and thanks for the time and have a good rest of the program, I'm just wondering how much more of this is going to surface. I keep my fingers and toes crossed it's not, but i got a funny feeling we're going to hear more about this. You guys have a good evening.
1: All right, Spike, thanks for checking in. Gordon, as we've said, and we mentioned to Buddha, I expect that the Mets are not the only team that has Absolutely. had this situation done to them uh, and been a part of this situation. And the question becomes, as more and more research is done, how many more teams will find this out? And once again, Gordon, when will we find out that things have been done? I mean, according to The Athletic, this Ryan Ellis situation, I mean, he was released he was let go a, month, a couple of like, a month ago at least and yeah. so we're just hearing about it now so you know then when you look into it there's other reports that said that you know uh several of the ladies filed uh you know um complaints and people and they were told that well we're looking into it and we didn't find enough uh you know proof to you know so on and so forth so i guess you know with as you go through that process, that's where you're going to see, okay, where did it where did it fall? What, what happened in the chain where it was supposed to be handled and handled correctly? Why wasn't it handled correctly? And hopefully we'll find this out so it won't happen again in the future.
0: Well, you'd like to think now that there will be further uh, focus on this and that other teams – I just thought when the Jared Porter thing happened that this was going to be just the start of it, that it would not surprise me at all – If many more teams, not just in baseball, but in other sports as well, are dealing with similar situations and similar circumstances, it's just surprising to me that we're probably, what, a month after that, maybe even longer than that. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the, the, the instances just keep happening with the one team. Now, I know that Mickey Calloway wasn't with the Mets anymore, but he was the manager of the Mets. Things happened while he was with the Mets. It seemed like it was an open secret that this type of stuff was going on, if not even a secret. Maybe it was just open that these things were going on, at least according to the story. the athletic put out it seemed like this type of stuff was well known within baseball circles and uh, it's a new day now and that type of stuff is not going to stand so we're hoping that uh, maybe this is the let's hope that this is the last of it we thought that with Porter we thought that with Mickey and now we're thinking that with the 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 hitting coordinator uh, Ryan Ellis
1: no question about it and while Luis Rojas was talking about on the field he had to talk about Ellis, and off the field as well. We'll hear from the Met manager next. Gordon the Miami Heat have those uh, weird uniforms on again. Oh, where, I can't turn on that channel. Where I'm not they, burning that into my screen. Oh, yeah. Well, this one is an interesting one. It's where half of the uniform is dipped in purple and the other half is dipped in blue. <laughs> they,
0: got a, they got a special where you get three colors free. You buy two colors, you buy those ugly colors, we'll give you three colors free on these jerseys. What a deal.
1: Oh, it is. It's it's interesting. I'll say that it, it's interesting. They're well, is up that eight. on ESPN? I got to find. Yes, that. yes. They're up eight over Golden State right now. Make that they're up uh, ten over Golden State right now. Luis Rojas, obviously, just like Aaron Boone wanted to give the state of the his uh, baseball club, the Mets. But obviously, the first thing that he ended up talking about was the Ryan Ellis story, and here's what he had to say.
6: Yeah, I'm aware of the story that that came out uh, uh, this this morning um you know my, my relationship with Ryan you know knowing him for years uh, here in the Mets organization is it's been strictly baseball uh, and and that's what we had in as far as conversation and the last the last quest the last question you asked Joel was about him coming to the big league staff last year yeah you' your uh you know your influence
2: on bringing him to the staff last well
6: year. you know we've um last year we lost chili davis which was a big loss for us not to have him uh present during uh camp 2.0 or the regular season um the 60 game season and uh, you know the next the next guy to come into plays is, is our hitting coordinator and that you know that was ryan ellis uh position at the time so um, he was the, he was the next guy up, and the guy that knew the, our players coming into camp. So it was the right move for us to do uh, to get him to come uh, with us and work work, uh, work with Tom Slater during the uh, during the season.
1: Well, the interesting thing here, Gordon, is that uh, Luis Rojas has been in the med organization for a while, and obviously he's worked with and knew uh, Ryan Ellis. So that's why he's really been pressed on what's going on with Ryan Ellis and. Joe Sherman who he was referring to of the New York Post columnist for the post as to why you brought him up to the major leagues
2: did you ever see behavior that you found unacceptable from him
6: no 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 i didn't
2: and and just one other thing you you earlier thing you said the majority of the staff stayed in touch the whole time was he part of that for most of the offseason and if so when did he stop being part of that
6: no we Ryan wasn't a part of that it was uh, major league staff Uh, and and going, going back to one of the answers I just gave you, like he, he came onto the staff last year, um, to be a sub, basically presence for Chili Davis. So the, the contact was with Chili Davis and Tom Slater throughout the off season when we were talking about staff meetings. So that's how we, that's how we worked, uh, as a staff when we started gathering.
1: And Louise Rojas on what the Mets can do to change the culture for women
6: you know we we've we've released uh statements uh, on, on situations like that you know our so but under under a new um ownership and you know in the addition of sandy as well there um you know we we've set new expectations and there's also um new a- avenues uh um you know added uh, the, to it you know to report cases like this so um you know, it's been disappointed, disappointing. I'm sorry to to see it uh, from afar. Uh, when when you get to this reports, to this news, um, and, and and upsetting. But you know, going back to the statement, it's uh, you know they they handle it like that, and I think it's been the right thing. It's just those misconducts. I mean, it's just, they're just unacceptable. It, we should have a safe environment, you know, to work, safe workplace, and uh, everyone should feel safe around here.
1: Rojas did a very nice job there with his question-and-answer session, but I really would have felt better if there was a general manager or Sandy or somebody else should have been there also.
0: It does feel that way, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not Rojas's job to be firing people uh, based on these type of allegations. That's kind of an organizational thing. So he's the one that has to answer these tough questions. And, look, he should be asked questions about it, clearly, but, yeah, he's not the ultimate uh, authority on these type of things, and it would have been better if somebody from the front office had been there.
1: Gordon, one of the issues I have with the – you know, I'm one of those uh, whiny Met fans that Don LaGreca detests. Okay. Yeah, I'm one of those that, oh, come on, it should be this. It should be – you know, I'm, I'm, I love my sadness, as he would say. So I'm kind of like that sometimes. But when I look at this team realistically, realistically, Gordon – there's several things that concern me. Obviously, my starting pitching—I I feel pretty good about. It. At least I did until Seth Lugo got hurt. Yes, you know. Big so, loss. so I, my starting pitching, though, I feel pretty good about. With the idea that Syndergaard's going to come back probably around June, July, and it's almost like getting another player, like you trade for a player and he's a really good starter. So, I feel good about my starters. Obviously, I've got concerned about the bullpen. I'm not happy that there's no universal DH. Clearly. But the other thing that really concerns me, Gordon, and I don't know, I keep reading about Jackie Bradley, still could be possibly in the mix and whatnot. I'm still a little concerned about my defense. I know McCann is better at, at catcher. Uh, you know, I I, I know Lindor's is good at shortstop. I'm a little concerned about my second baseman, and I love Nemo, but I don't love Nemo as a center fielder defensively.
0: Yeah, I love Nimmo's bat. Uh, that's uh, He's fantastic to me, getting on base constantly with the walks and everything else, and now that they added Pilar, I guess he's going to be kind of in the mix. He's, he's got the reputation as a guy who can pick it, although it looks like some of the defensive stats, maybe he's just getting older, maybe it's just been a fluky couple of years here mm-hmm. because of the, the strangeness of last year, but it seems like his defensive uh, stats have kind of have uh, maybe plateaued a little bit if not gone down. Mets should score runs. If, if DeGrom is still DeGrom and is still pitching at that very, very high level level, you know, that's kind of like the tent pole for the rotation and the other guys kind of fit in line. I like Carrasco as, as the throw in for the Lindor trade. Maybe Stroman has a big year this year as well. So I think that starting rotation would would you like another starter? Yeah, of course. Everybody would like another starter. But I think it kind of comes and ends for me with the Mets in the bullpen and especially now with the Lugo injury. That, that's the one that you really didn't want to have happen because he's the guy that you can rely on out of that pen. Now, you, you hope that Trevor May is going to be a big piece. He has been a piece in years past for the Twins. You hope that he's going to be able to, to, to replicate that for the Mets. But between Diaz and Familia and Batances, Gesellman at times, you know, oh. a bunch of those guys, I just oh. don't know that I can rely on them.
1: You can't. I can tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. I know you can't. I was trying to do the Hope Springs Eternal thing, Larry. It's a brand new year. Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm that realistic guy. I, I Listen, I know that they're not. They're they're very inconsistent there. And I was hoping, listen, I was one of those that was hoping that Dylan Batances would remember how dominant he was as as a setup guy with the Yankees for those years. That the only concern was sometimes he couldn't, you know, repeat his motion, Gordon, and then the ball would sail high. And obviously you were concerned when there were runners on base because he couldn't he, – he, was, he wasn't there throwing to a base to try to keep runners close. But I thought he might be able to, you know, go ahead and give you something that at least – you know, you felt a, you felt that you had another option, but he was he struggled. Now maybe this year he'll be better. And to be honest, which is crazy, Diaz wasn't great, but he was better than he was his first year last year.
0: So well, the first year, oh my God, that was just a that was just a nightmare of a season for him. So maybe look, they they talk about deadening the baseball, and he gave up so many home runs, and was victimized by the home runs so many times. Maybe that's uh, an area that uh, makes you feel a little bit better about him as your closer. I mean, you kind of have to have him as your closer. You don't really have a whole lot of other options. You got some other guys out. I guess Familia maybe could do it, but you don't feel great about him either.
1: No. No, and I'm concerned you deadened you deadened the baseballs, which means now his uh, his his uh, his cutter and stuff and his off speed stuff is not going to be as good. So I worry about that too. So you know, look, he he just needs to perform. It's just amazing how he just forgot how the pitch going from Seattle to the Mets.
0: It is, I mean it is crazy, right? He went from that unbelievable year to the first year with the Mets, which was just such a nightmare, and that deal was just such a nightmare. Even before he had the struggles, he, you thought he was going to be the guaranteed thing, and he certainly was not in year one.
1: Wednesday night editions of the show. Thanks for stopping by at 1 800 919 3776. Gordon Damer, Larry Hardesty, till midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons. The conversation continues here on 987 ESPN. Gordon Damer, wouldn't you love for your son to say, Dad, I just signed? A over one hundred million dollar contract to play baseball,
0: like uh, the Tatis deal that we yes. were just hearing in Sports mm-hmm. Center. Yep, yeah, that yep. wouldn't be bad, right? Yeah, he is. Do you realize that he is signed through twenty thirty five? Oh,
1: it's unbelievable.
0: Twenty thirty five, and you know what is interesting about contracts in twenty thirty five? That is also the year that Bobby Bonilla comes off the Mets' books. Finally. Finally. 2035.
1: <laughs> He's got a nice run. Francisco
0: Lindor has a smile that lights up a room. Uh-huh. How? how he, he just found another gear.
1: Yeah, and that's how mine. about that? That's Seeing right. that
0: contract that Tatis signed.
1: That's right. Whoa. And Bobby Bonilla said, you won't be able to wipe the smile off my face. No. He's still smiling. <laughs> he is still smiling.
0: Every June 1st, he goes out to the mailbox. Got it again. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running to the bank, sweetie
1: oh man it's unbelievable boy you talk about backloading a backloading a deal yeah. <laughs> oh wow
0: 2035 that does not seem like a real year right like 2035
1: no. oh my gosh
0: i still i'm still forgetting that it's 2021 i keep writing 2020 20 places 2035 20, <laughs> wow and the crazy thing years. is i think he's only going to be like 30 34
1: 34, 34 years old yeah, 34 35. What he might he? still
0: have some good years left in him. He, you know, he, it's not a terrible contract. It's, a, it's, it's not. an annual average of twenty-four million a year. That's a pretty good deal for the Padres.
1: Halfway through, he's going. To, you know, halfway through, he's going to re- 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 renegotiate.
0: <laughs> well, he might be on the Yankees. The Yankees will trade right. a couple of minor leaguers and they'll bring in Tatis. That,
1: that's the Yankees we know.
0: Yes. Right. Well, that's. Let's, a, that, let's hope maybe they get back to that someday. Yeah, that's the Yankees we know.
1: Yeah. We're talking about the Mets as Gordon and I kind of rehash what the uh, managers had to say today. We'll get to your calls in a minute at 1-800-919-3776. Gordon, uh, actually, Luis Rojas did eventually have time to talk about the team. Hey, there you go. And he was asked, have you spoken to Conforto and Lindor about the, ex- the expectations for this Mets team this year?
6: I'm not in those, in those conversations. I have talked to both of them. And, I mean, those two guys are two of our leaders. I and mean, we have several leaders here. And even though Lindor hasn't been in the facility yet, he should be here in a few days when the position players uh, report. He's already portraying as a leader. I mean, the conversations that we had, they've been off the chart about how we're going to go about it and, and different things. Michael, I'm in touch with him too. And, you know, all they talk about is the team and baseball. I mean, you, you talk about those two, it'll be great that they're, you know, here for years. You know, I think, you know, our fan base will, you know, that, that always supports every Met player, you know, will also be happy with those two guys being extended. And our team as well, will they will feed off of it. I mean, those are two of our leaders. You know, their, their presence is strong is strong in the clubhouse. Their presence is strong out on the field. But our, my conversations with them, they have been strictly baseball in the offseason.
1: And Rojas says it's not going to be easy for them to get to where they want to be.
6: We know that this task is, is not is not going to be easy. I mean, we can talk about you know we're a contender. We can talk about World Series. We can talk about, but we need to do stuff. Knowing that or saying that is not doing that. And you know, we need we need to go through a process. And we know it's going to be tough. You know, we're we're against a tough division. The rest of the teams in the league. So that's what we got to do. We got to prepare every day and sync our team, combine our team.
1: Yeah, this is not going to be easy, Gordon. Because you know, listen, I I know that, and was listening to the K show today and. They were talking about how I think it's MGM uh, was have the Mets as like twelve to one odds to win the World Series, and let's be serious, they're not the best team in their in their division. I mean, I, I still think Atlanta's better, Gordon. They, they're a very good team. This is a tough division. All of a sudden, Miami got to the postseason and won a round. So this is the, the you know Washington's still good. Girardi down in Philly, if they can find a way to get a bullpen. Or get anything out of a bullpen, you know him. He he usually finds a way to find some young kid that he puts out there that that finds outs uh, you know, in the bullpen for them that you don't know about. I mean, this is gonna to be tough for the Mets to, to even, you know, win the division. They they might be tough. They might have to end up for a wild card, Gordon.
0: Well, look. I think I, the way I look at it is, it's the Braves and the Mets, and and I, I would agree. I think if I had to pick, I would probably pick the Braves. But the baseball season is so long, right? Like yeah. every single year, things happen over the course of a baseball season that you you never would have expected. Players emerge that you never would have expected. So, but I would I would group the NL East as Braves Mets in the upper tier and then the, the Nationals and the Phillies in that second tier with the Marlins with all due respect after last season. I don't really expect them to duplicate that kind of success this year. So uh, would I expect the Braves? Would I pick them to be the favorites? Yes, but I think the Mets should be right there. I mean, they are a win-now kind of team, right? Like mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom is not going to be this Jacob deGrom forever. He's been sensational. He's been one of the great pitchers you've ever had, one of the great pitchers in baseball. He's on track for a Hall of Fame career. Yep. But he's not going to be this guy every single year from now forever. So it's about win now. So you know it's not like the Mets are all that young of a team. I'm not saying that they're an old team, but they're you know they're pretty much a veteran team, right? McCann's yeah. is, is an established player. I mean, he got some youth kind of at first with Alonzo and, and Smith, but you know McNeil, uh, Lindor is an established player. JD you know, Davis Bordeaux JD yeah. Davis Yeah I yeah. mean this is this is a win now kind of team. Last year was a weird year and finishing in last place was a major disappointment, but no, I think that there are expectations now. Maybe 12 to 1 might be a little bit high, but there should be expectations for this Mets team. They should be a, they should have a good year this year.
1: They should. And it they're going to heavily rely on their offense, Gordon. There's no question. They they're going to have to outslug some teams, I think, until the pitching gets going. Until they figure out the bullpen. And listen, you you might be right. I might be just you know overly pessimistic about uh, what 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 the bullpen looks like because I'm just you know I, I I'm that way, hoping that I'm present pleasantly surprised from the bullpen. But you know bullpen. And defense is a major thing. And there's going to be times when the the Mets are going to go on these streaks and they're just going to hit the cover off the baseball, Gordon. And it's going to be great. But for me, when you play, you know, Atlanta, what, 17, 18 times, when you play uh, you know, some of the some of the really the Dodgers like a handful of times, these some of these really, really good teams, that's why I'm really concerned about the bullpen and, and that's what really you know, makes me a little apprehensive. Now, I'm hopeful. I would love to say that I believe that the Mets will be, you know, what I expect for them to be, which will be, you know, a, a team in the postseason gunning for a championship. Would I Would I feel a little better if, if George Springer was in center field? Yeah, I yeah. probably would. You know, but but with with the team I have, that that's what I'm looking at right now.
0: Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that lineup, if it's Nimmo, McNeil, Lindor, Confort, you know, Alonzo, Conforto. If Dominic Smith is playing left field, I mean that's a pretty formidable lineup. You're, you're going to score a bunch of runs.
1: If if Alonzo goes back to Rookie of the Year, Alonzo, and not Alonzo sophomore Jinx Alonzo.
0: Yeah, I would. Th- I, again, he's one of those ones. And, and look, I, I get that I'm kind of picking and choosing the the ones mm-hmm. I decide that, that it's a fluke and it's not a fluke. I, I'm a, I'm saying that that more is more likely of a fluke last year for Pete Alonzo in the weird year that was 2020. And I expect that maybe he's not going to hit the 53 again, but. He's going to be more in line with that then. And, look, if he's not, if he's really struggling, the nice thing is you got Dom Smith. You can plug him into first base.
1: It's true. You're right. Tim Kirchner was on D.P.H.O. Canté-Rothenberg. So, Timmy, are the Mets done making moves?
0: I think they'll do something else, but
2: I think they're done with the big moves, because the big players are essentially gone, and yes, I thought they would get Springer or Bauer, and they didn't, and that's for a Mets fan, I guess that's slightly disappointing, but they also got one of the five best players in the game at Francisco Lindor. He won't be enough for them to pass the Nationals and the Braves and everyone else in that ridiculously strong division, but the catcher, McCann, makes them better. They've added some pitching help, so I think the Mets are a Legitimate contender for a playoff spot with what they've done. Is it everything they wanted to do? No, but it's, they had a good offseason. I don't think there's any way around that.
1: We had a good offseason, Gordon. We didn't have a great offseason. And, uh, you know, once again, I'm not as down as some of the other Mets fans I speak with about what they did and did not do. But, you know, listen, I, I, I would have, like I said earlier, and maybe Jackie Bradley is the move they make. I don't know, and he comes in, and maybe he gives you a little better defense in center field and you feel better. I mean, he's he's not an offensive threat. There's no question about that, not like Springer. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll just have to play it out and see. But, but the biggest thing for me, my biggest concern is, is the bullpen, clearly.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and, and, you know, I can see the defensive questions because it seems like Nimmo misses time every single year with a little nagging injury here or there, and he's not the strongest center fielder to begin with. So we'll, we'll see, you know. But I I would be a little leery of going after uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. if those contract demands are are uh, realistic, you know, saying that yeah. he wants a, a, a contract in excess of four years. Yeah, join the club, wouldn't we all, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody wants a five-year deal.
1: That's for sure. That's for sure. And, you know, if, if, if he had a better stick, maybe he'd get a four- or five-year deal.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't be a question. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.